Reading List Leaders is a four-part oral gathering recorded as a podcast series by visual artist and poet Vita Somya, with sound designed by artist Kim Modig, produced by Frame Contemporary Art Finland within the context of the Rehearsing Hospitalities Public Programme 2019-2023. Reading List Leaders is an extension of Vita Somya's poem and wall mural Reading List, the first work in a series of artistic commissions at Frame Contemporary Art Finland's office space in Helsinki. Each of the four podcasts will be released every Tuesday over four weeks between May 5th to May 26th, 2020. Each week, Vita Somya will host conversations and readings with her invited reading list leaders. Welcome everyone to the Reading List Leaders. My name is Vidha Somya and I will be your host. Given that we are doing our best to stay healthy, calm and optimistic, there is no doubt that these are difficult times. In a time like this, even while we are home, it is easy to get isolated and therefore it is worth remembering that despite the current situation, we are still a community and each of our actions can inspire, motivate and have a long-lasting effect on those close to us and afar. We may be physically distanced from each other, but we can still create and maintain contact as we take breaks from washing hands, news cycles, online meetings and stirring a weekly batch of soup. Times are stressful and to ease through these testing times, I am hoping to amplify a sense of community, curiosity and our shared worlds so that we can still feel connected. With this in mind and through the support of Frame Contemporary Art Finland, I am happy to bring to you a series of oral gatherings as a podcast series which have been recorded over the past weeks. Under the title Reading List Leaders, each week we will gather around readings and discussions with the invited guests. Reading List Leaders was initially planned as a weekly gathering for reading and listening in the Frame Contemporary Art Finland office. Restrictions on the act of gathering in Finland, India and the world due to both COVID-19 and political unrest mean that this is not possible at this time. In the podcast series, this activity can continue in a complementary and meaningful way. Still a place to gather, the podcast conversations and readings activate, archive and share both the Indian writers who appear in my poem reading list and the reading list leaders themselves. The poem reading list was painted as a mural at Frame Contemporary Art Finland's office space in August 2019. The first work in a series of artistic commissions, the mural was launched during the Rehearsing Hospitality's public program in September 2019, accompanied by a reading of the reading list. Proposed as a list of 96 authors from India who should be in global reading lists, this list is potentially endless. The work was commissioned in the context of Rehearsing Hospitality's public program 2019-2023. to I'll say a few words about the poem. As I read my way through list after list, 
helpfully extended towards me by institutions, visiting lecturers and seminars in Finland, I encountered many silences. And to mend those silences, these names were my instinctual response. The mural painted multiple times over in colors such as green, blue, yellow and a final red were done to create a layered effect as a visual reference to the round-the-clock construction work in cities and as well outer walls of institutions that hold space for voices to express and to dissent in the form of posters, graffiti and signs. I take this opportunity to read to you Reading List. Let there be new reading lists of Mahvi Dhasal Kelkar, Daruwala Pritam and Ded, Ambedkar Singh Bhasin, Ramanujan Dehelvi and Seth, Rege Fazli Botalia, Koteshwaramma Vidyapati and Dhale. Nam Joshi Tripathi Das Gupta Devi Bond and Kamle Balmani Bagul Bagchi Madhvi Kutti Manto and Menon Roy Renu Revati Sobati Shivakami and Subramanyam Pavar Jahan Ravi Kumar Nehel Ghosh and Rokea, Begum Malagatti Morais, Kabir Desai and Sambharya, Dai Ao Sehgal, Bakshi Virani and Gokhale, Bama Naidu Kolatkar, Korea Patel and Phule, Gidla Kane Markandya, Kandaswami Hashmi and Gargi, Chandramoli Chandrika Guha, Narayanan Gole and Chakravarti, Dasnavi Jusavala Chauhan, Elvin Koregaonkar and Parsai, Janabai Vajahat Shyam, Chugtai Ezekiel and Ramabai. Erali Sili Jafri, Senapati Chaturvedi and Raman, Gaddar Chirappad Metrei, Shyamala Jha and Premchand should have long begun. Choose anyone. We will see how reading lists must expand now. To reflect upon and discuss writings by Raja Dhale, Namdeo Dhasal, and the relevance of Dr. B. R. Ambedkar's writings, my guest today is Shrujana Niranjani Sridhar, a Mumbai-based illustrator, designer, and co-founder of the Dalit Panther Archive. Her work examines socio-political relations, especially at the intersection of gender, caste, and class. Her research interests revolve around the exploration and definition of a Dalit aesthetic that has existed in the Indian subcontinent for centuries in its myriad heterogeneous forms. 
Shrujana's practice revolves majorly around children's literature and illustrations. In 2016, she co-founded the Dalit Panther Archive, which has been documenting the Dalit Panther movement of the 1970s. Shrujana's readings include an excerpt from Black Independence Day written by Raja Dhale for Sadhana magazine in 1972 for Indian Independence Day. Don't Bail Me Out by Namdev Dhasal, a poem penned by Dhasal after he was jailed in the early 70s in India. An excerpt from Dalit Panther Manifesto and Using Little Magazines for Fame is Foolishness, an essay by Raja Dhali lamenting about people who have been publishing little magazines just because it is cool to do so. Majasathi bel ghyun naka Namdev Dhasal Majasathi bel ghyun naka Bel Kiti vanvan bhataklo hai miya shaharat सावत्र आईसारख्या या शहरानं मला सावत्र आईसारखा त्रास दिला थंडी वाऱ्यात मला उभा केला दोन गज जमीन देखील मला मिळाली नाही यापूर्वी दोस्तांनो पहिल्या प्रथमच मात्र हक्काची खोली मिळते जमीन मिळते थांबा मला येथे पोटभर लोलू द्या पोटभर माझ्यासाठी बेल घेऊ नका Don't bail me out. Don't. How I've roamed this city. This city is like a stepmother. Like a stepmother, she battered me. She left me out in the cold. To this day, I never had two yards of land. For the very first time, friends, I can call a room mine. I have land now. Land. Stop. Let me loll here till I'm full. Till I'm full, don't bail me out. Excerpt from the Dalit Panther Manifesto, Bombay, 1973. The Dalits of the world and Panthers. Due to the hideous plot of American imperialism, the third Dalit world, that is, oppressed nations and Dalit people are suffering. Even in America, a handful of reactionary whites are exploiting blacks. To meet the force of reaction and remove this exploitation, the Black Panther movement grew. From the Black Panthers, black power emerged. The fire of the struggle has thrown out sparks into the country. We claim a close relationship with this struggle. We have before our eyes the examples of Vietnam, Cambodia, Africa and the like. Who is the Dalit? Members of scheduled castes and tribes, neo-Buddhists, the working people, the landless and poor peasants, women and all those who are being exploited politically, economically and in the name of religion. Who are our friends? 1. Revolutionary parties set to break down the caste system and class rule. Left parties that are left in a true sense. 2. All other sections of society that are suffering due to economic and political oppression. Who are our enemies? 1. power wealth price to landlords capitalists money lenders and their lackeys three those parties who indulge in religious or casteist politics and the government which depends on them burning questions before dalits today one 
food, clothing, shelter. Two, employment, land, untouchability. Three, social and physical injustice. Excerpt from Black Independence Day by Raja Dhale, published in Sadhana magazine, 15th August, 1972. It's said that we've been free for 25 years. But in this democracy, where do we, the people, ordinary people, have freedom? The atrocities inflicted upon us by the British are no different from what we face under self-rule. It means that even though the British are gone, the same atrocities are being carried out by this democratic machinery. Then why won't people feel like we're still colonized by the British? That we are in a foreign country? Yesterday, people were resisting the British by fighting. Today, we are fighting our own government. That means this is not a democracy. Where does it appear to be of the people, for the people, by the people? It's that all technicalities of the press are in the hands of the educated people. Therefore, the Bahujans have kept oppressed and we should take the press and all. Thus, such thoughts are appropriate for the progressive literary group. But the fact is that most of the presses are in the hands of the illiterate. In fact, these are the illiterate workers doing manual work who, by the advantage of the opportunities, eventually become owners. Because they know technicalities of the printing work. If the owner is some other person, then they ensure that he is not aware and the frustrated owner sells the press. So the press owners of today, known to me, are illiterate or semi-literate and will now enter progressive literature groups. Shrujna, the texts you have selected to read acquaint especially the non-Indian listeners with the caste system, structural and institutional violence in India. Among the several other texts and writing that exists, why were you particularly drawn to these texts? And what are the further line of inquiries a text like this opens up? We can talk about first uh, the poem, Don't Bail Me Out, that poem really uh, stood out to me because, I mean, we've heard a lot of Namdev Dasar's poetry and this is one of the rarer poems we've listened to. And just coming from the perspective of someone from a Bangujan background in Mumbai who might not have ever experienced what owning or having any space to their name, mm-hmm. right? And for a jail to be that and for him to mock that concept is is just so beautiful and dry also. Uh, it's this dark humor and one always expects people from the oppressed communities to not, you know, in some way have a sense of humor about their situation. But a lot of uh, uh, the way he's mocking uh, the city itself and he's mocking the systems themselves that have led to a person to feel like a jail could be their land, you know, their first piece of land, uh, a land assigned to them, I thought was very interesting. Then the next piece was an excerpt from the Dalit Panther Manifesto. That piece is what started 
a lot of my uh, a lot of our um, works on the Dalit Panther movement itself, like archiving and documenting it, because we felt like it was relevant even to today. So the question of identity politics is something we are still trying to figure out. Every day, our understanding of who is a Bangjan, who is a Dalit, what is the experience of being someone who is from that community is evolving. And also, I really want to pick part of the manifesto that brings out the international solidarity that the Panthers believed in. And you can see that there's a very global and a very local, like nuanced understanding of things that make you realize why these young men were so confident and assertive in creating this movement. And the strength that they're able to gather from an international community and from their local community is what allowed them to create such a movement, both in a literary and in a political sense. The next text was a poem and uh, an essay written by Raja Dhali mm-hmm. called Kaas Vatantra Divas, The Black Independence Day. This uh, was originally published on 15th August 1972 in Sadhana magazine. Sadhana magazine was a magazine founded mostly by socialists from Pune. And they approached Raja Dhali and asked him to publish an essay for them or write an essay for them. Just to give a background, Raja Dhali is also one of the co-founders of the Dalitantha movement. He is a very prominent figure in the little magazine movement and in Marathi literary world. In a lot of ways, I think that he has shaped the little magazine movement from the Marathi literary world to what it is. This piece is a is one of those milestone pieces for the Dalit Panther movement. Like this was their debut into the world. Raja Dale agreed to write the piece. He told the editor that, you know, if you have the guts to publish it, just as I write it, then, you know, I'd, I'd write it. So he gave it as a challenge to them. The essay basically talks about how dignity and the respect of a Belgian woman, the fine and the punishment that you face for molesting a Belgian woman is nothing in front of the fine you would pay for disrespecting the national anthem. And he goes into asking what is a national, sorry, the national flag. And what are these symbols when you are not even able to respect people and humans of this country, you know? This essay led to a lot of fights and conflicts. In the essay, he also criticizes one of the most popular uh, and well-established Marathi literary figures, which led to a very long feud between him and this person. But on the other hand, this essay also led to an actual face-off with Shiv Sena in Pune. The people from the Shiv Sena came to attack the press of the Sadhana magazine and they threatened to shut down the magazine. The editor had to step down from his post. The editor-in-chief also had to step down from his post. The Dalpatanthas themselves turned up in Pune to defend the uh, press from being burned down. And they managed to succeed. Actually, Shiv Sena and Congress both. So in that way, it was a perfect manifestation of the spirit of the Panthers, right? Mm-hmm. One that can um, have a strong political fight and struggle as well as a strong literary argument. 
the next piece was an excerpt from the essay called using little magazines for fame is foolishness and this essay i absolutely love because it really brings out and expresses raja dhale's sense of humor he has a very very sardonic sense of humor he got into a lot of trouble in his literary life for picking fights it's what people thought were fights but it was actually just him mocking the entire world around him for raja dhale anything and everything was up for criticism and debate so there is a very big accusation against raja dhale that he makes everything into a angry fight or when in fact he's just making or he's just expressing his criticisms right so there was writer from a poet rather from the marathi world who comes from also a bahujan background who was an orphan who was from the communist party raja dhale had written a scathing piece about him hmm. where he criticized uh, him horribly and people were shocked because they did not expect raja dhale to criticize a fellow bahujan who has also been through a lot of struggles his expectations for that in this essay is that it's about how you represent yourself it's about representing yourself from a place of pride and dignity and that is why i criticized him i don't have a problem with him writing or doing whatever he likes but to write your story in a way that the savarnas will like in a way that the established people will like where you come off as a small oppressed person is the problem i have that is why i like the entire essay and it also talks about what is the expectation from a bahujan writer the expectation from a bahujan writer is always to talk about how horrible your life is and you always have to speak from a certain place which is of like you know complete uh, degradation and he throughout his writing and literary career has always urged that we express ourselves in the way that makes us most proud whatever that may be and a bahujan writer doesn't always have to be in one particular way the excerpt that i have taken is basically where he is making fun of what is acceptable in the publishing world and who controls the publishing world and who gets to speak the truth this essay also questions people so as the little magazine movement grew a lot of people started making little magazines just because it was cool like zines right mm. today we have zines and a lot of people make zines just because that is something you do and that is something you will put on social media or something you will put to gain a little bit of like you know edge a larger institution will notice your zine and probably get you to display your zine it's a stepping stone so in the same way little magazines so people started using little magazines in the same exact way and to raja dhale is like we can't say generation because these are all people who are contemporary but raja dhale and his friends who were part of the first wave of the little magazines in the marathi literary world to them it was not about the little magazine right it was not about the language it was not about the form they didn't care for them it was about being anti establishment and that is it so to them this people who were now publishing little magazines 
and using the type of language that they were using that was not allowed before but is now cool this mm-hmm. appropriation is what he is criticizing that's what he's calling foolishness when he talks about these printing presses right it's a little bit of a question for me also you know when he says that uh, these days presses are owned that people who actually work in press are mostly bahujan people who are illiterate and he says that sooner or later they become press owners and they decide what gets published and what doesn't get published this is a little bit of a confusion for me also that i'm yet to solve what he feels about these illiterate like you know in quotes he uses he uses the term illiterate or semi literate people so i am yet to understand how he feels about these press owners that 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 it is an interesting point that he raises because whenever people talk about publishing houses you always imagine that it is owned and run by someone from a privileged location but in the real sense of publishing house is run by the people who work there who are usually from bahujan backgrounds so i thought that was that would be an interesting thing to bring up what is your process now that you are archiving these texts what is your process of understanding like where do you begin to open up these texts what ends up happening often to me is that when i read these texts when i read it and then when i get it translated and then i reread it it's a very like exciting process for me like i'm constantly jumping up and down my chair because i'm like oh, this is what it was or that is what they meant or this is how they were thinking and it's always this filled with uh, i can't believe that this is still relevant and it's always about me being shocked at how how sometimes how funny they are or sometimes you know how light hearted also they can be so like it, it's a very exciting process for me uh, what happens often is that if there are things that don't make sense to me i end up reading either interviews by their contemporary like by their friends or by themselves or we're collecting the interviews that i've recorded of writers and people who've been part of the literary world then when i contextualize the pieces with the interviews i've done or with other interviews i've read it just the whole world just like makes sense to me and uh, there are also a lot of conversations involved with my own father because he himself is a poet so and he is also a poet from a bahujan background who comes a generation after the panthers right so him also it's a lot of romanticism recollecting stories that other people from the little magazine movement have told him so then you suddenly tell me oh this this person had said that that thing so maybe you should go and look for this person and ask them what they thought uh-huh. so then i then track that person down and have a conversation so in this way i also ended up finding other magazines that sort of explained the piece before me you know um like for example i found an entire issue that was published in 2012 as a tribute to raja dhale and in that were like accounts written by his friends and peers from the literary movement mm-hmm. and i found such like a ama- like such gems in those articles that 
everything in their writing started to make sense to me you know for example i interviewed urmila pawar for the project and when i contextualized things that she said as a woman as a female writer as a female bahujan writer writing back then and trying to publish when i started to use her perspective also i started to see those texts differently you know it's always like a it's a process of if i had to put it in terms of like a digital thing it's like i have a million tabs open but they're just like phone conversations or magazines or, <laughs> or like uh, bookmarking notes from magazines and things like that so then i realized that i've just spent like 4 hours on one para looking for perspectives and conversations around this one thing also another interesting thing that happens for me is that all these little magazines are interlinked right there are also little magazines where one person will be um saying nasty things about someone else publishing some other magazine like you get a lot of context about magazine a from magazine b which is published by someone else entirely I mean, we did have a specific goal when we started out with the archive. We have managed to partly achieve that goal, and we didn't go too far off from what we uh, started out to do. You know, one massive detour. No, I would call it detour because it's still in the line of things. But one thing that I thought that I would never end up doing was take such a massive interest in Raja Dhali. because he has managed to answer so many questions i have had as an artist or a creator from a bahujan identity right he's been able to solve or ask so many of these questions that it's really been enlightening for me we know we are in the right direction and we know the direction we set out in was also uh, in alignment with that because when we started out we already had enough information we had years worth of research before we actually started this work so do you have any ideas or what are the ways you suggest uh, or foresee that libraries across the globe and especially institutions and organizations can expand to become inclusive and intersectional i imagine that super local libraries and reading rooms is what will help make things more diverse right so if i live in a specific area or a specific type of neighborhood in say bombay then there should be um first of all the context of that library should be rooted in where i physically am and my neighborhood and have that influence on that reading room right mm-hmm. because if you have like super localized libraries and you will have more diverse and content and also more relatable because that will inspire people from that neighborhood to see what a reading room in say uh jogeshwari looks like i imagine reading rooms would be a super localized reading room slash library is what will make um a world of a difference also then it will also bring in the question of representation right uh, because usually communities are unfortunately at least in india most communities are according to caste locations or class locations and i'm not saying obviously that say a bahujan basti should only have 
Bahujan books, but I feel like rooting it in its local space will make it more stronger. I think I'm also coming up with this answer because uh, I'm coming from the perspective of how do you bring people into a physical space to read, right? Or how do you bring people in to just read because that is not something we are doing these days anyway. I think that one engages with text or any medium when you know that you can connect to it directly in the most obvious way. And I think another reason why I find this very exciting is that, you know, you have these reading spaces in a lot of bastis in, around Bombay, mm-hmm. which are Vachanagas. And they're all marked by, like, strong political parties of the area. Mm-hmm. So there are newspapers in these Vachanagas and you'll find mostly old men sitting and reading yeah. at these stalls. And they're all, and you can tell that a neighborhood, what the neighborhood's politics is from that Vachan Pala, right? And if it even has one. Uh, so I think that that is something that I see this to be as an exciting place. Another thing I would say is that bookshops and libraries need to make a huge effort to source diverse perspectives right and and we all know that everyone is talking about diversity and intersectionality but how do you do it in a real sense how do you find artists and poets and writers from uh, the city or the village or the town who you should be reading because what i've noticed in a lot of uh, quote unquote like interesting or diverse small bookshops for example is that they are always they're always from certain publishing houses and they are an echo chamber of their own right mm. and you'll never see for example these kind of books anywhere else and how do you make sure that these books land up in different places i'm just also thinking from the perspective of because i, I am now also engaged uh, a lot in making books and uh, trying to understand uh, and of course like there is a larger question of what is accessible what is not accessible whether i'm educated not educated whether i've gone to school you know like all of those aspects as well of course but i think if one was to speak in this in the spaces of publishing houses and even art spaces for example i think this this idea of that there is this diverse voice but it still is within this 180 degree spectrum you know they're still not looking yeah. behind lo- not looking around not turning around not deviating a little bit to bring in even a, a conflicting voice because only then there will yeah. be some something created that's exactly what i was thinking right say for example i keep a book in my library which is written by a bahujan man then i definitely need to have a book in my library that's written mm-hmm. by a bahujan woman so that so that i know the uh, i know that there is a counter to this voice also i'm not saying that female bhojan voices are a counter to male bhojan voices but i'm saying it's a complete experience and i need to make sure that i have if there is a perspective if there is an ideology that a certain writer brings then i need to have all the nuances of that perspective also sitting in my library just one book or just one author is not enough Yeah, I totally agree with that point. You you also write books for children and you illustrate them. 
like what are the stories or what is it that you are trying to tell you know and especially like with children's literature i find it extremely exciting because the children it is that they read a book again and again you know they uh, yeah. like adults they don't pass it over and move to the next they keep coming back to that same text so i think it's a bigger challenge uh, in that sense for a children's book writer to to have something that uh, that children will come back to again and again so what is yeah, it yeah. that you you seek or what is it that you look out for in the stories that you write i genuinely believe that children's books are the safest spaces to be in this world for me like in some most anxious moments i have only been able to like gain solace in children's literature I remember there was once a moment where I was at one of these protests there was a children's library there and there was some sort of tension in the air about people being detained and I was super anxious and literally the thing that I did in that moment was sit with this kid and read a book with him not read it to him just listen to him reading the book it just took me to a different world and all of a sudden I even forgot that we were in any sort of trouble that's that's the power of, of children's literature and as far as what stories i want to tell is i genuinely want to tell stories that come from a place of pride that is most important to me first of all i just want to represent my perspective i can only represent from my location and i want to do it with pride i want to do it with with my head held high you know as far as children are concerned i want to show children there is a whole world for them to explore that goes beyond their neighborhood or their home or their family and you can find the same things that you find at home or in this family you can find in other worlds also that's one thing i definitely want to do then you ask me if what the challenge is in terms of writing for children because they keep reading over and over again and actually that's what makes it the most exciting for me right uh, especially as an illustrator because then i know that i have to leave for example non verbal narratives in the story somewhere i have to keep for example in amu's kandi my book uh, uh, there was a character who never speaks but is doing something in the background so um you are you always have to have something in the background or somewhere hidden not as an easter egg but just mm-hmm. another narrative of its own you know yeah. and i guess another thing that's very engaging with children is i think even if you're not writing poetry for children it has to be uh, have it has to have some sort of poetry to it mm-hmm. because children often read aloud and that is something that i'm yet to like work on and get it right that i think is most important especially as someone who reads a lot of children's literature i feel like there has to be some poetic sense to it there has to be some like rhythm to it yeah so it's it's quite like um because children themselves don't see themselves in any lesser way right children mm-hmm. always tell like you know like to tell tall stories yeah. and they come from a place which is confident so you need to make sure that what you're writing for them also comes from the same place
I am Vidha Soumya, your host, talking to Shrujana Niranjani Shridhar, a Mumbai-based illustrator, designer, and co-founder of the Dalit Panther Archive. You were listening to Reading List Leaders, a four-part oral gathering recorded as a podcast series produced by Frame Contemporary Art Finland within the context of Rehearsing Hospitality's public program 2019 to 2023.